episode two, Sit and Spin, broadcasting out of the city with the break dick. We're here. Actually, I'm just here. It's only a solo episode today. A uh, bunch of these will probably be solo episodes. Just gotta get through quarantine here. We'll uh, eventually get, I don't know, other people on once this gets kicking around. If people get interested, the concept takes off. Whatever. Today we're doing uh, Billy Joel the Stranger, 1977 release. Uh, I, I gotta, gotta be honest, I don't think I've ever heard this uh, album before. This is the first time I've heard this album. I'm sure I've heard, you know, I'm sure I heard it on a road trip or something like that. I've definitely heard a bunch of the songs off of here. Uh, in between listening to it and sitting down to record... Just kind of poked around the internet, you know, what do they have to say about it? Apparently it was 70 out of the top 500 albums of all time, according to Billboard. But, you know, can Billboard be trusted? We all know. Current controversy with Billboard. Were they cooking it up back at Billy Joel Day? <laughs> uh, but, yeah, this is uh, Billy Joel's The Stranger. Uh, I enjoyed it. Um Top to bottom, you know, probably why it was received so well, why everybody loved it, why it's a highly rated album. You know, I'm going to go with the flow on this one, obviously, but, uh, ah, oh, man, definitely had some good, good times with it, man. So I was sitting back, just listening to it, starting to read some of the lyrics and starting to envision some of the things of what's going on. That's what I really like about sitting with a record is like that you get to unplug and just kind of. You get to have your own visual journey in your brain over what's going on with these lyrics. It's just, it's too good. That's the best. It's not streaming. It's not click, bam. I got to sit here, change it up quick. No, you're unplugged. You, you got to you get as much information as the album gives you. So going into these albums, a lot of these albums blind. You know, I got a corny picture of Billy Joe looking professional and everybody else not on the back of this album here in this Italian restaurant. You see him looking at this pillow on the front of it here with this mask on. I don't know nothing. That was like The Stranger. I figured some kind of love songs or something would be on here. Uh, I picked this album. Well, not I didn't pick this album, I should say. My pops picked this album. Uh, between episode one and two, definitely a big gap. But, uh, you know, what what's, What should I do for episode two? Who, who should come over for episode two? Should anyone come over for episode two? Should I just sit down and do an episode by myself? Well, th this is what this is what I got. So he texted me back with a handful of albums. I said, "Hey man, just go to my go to the Discogs for the show. Check out the uh, the collection." I said, "Pick pick pick a couple records. Pick something." He's a clown, so he definitely said. Kenny G, do Kenny G, which uh, I didn't even have to say no. He just he just didn't do it. No Kenny G. So he said he gave me this one. He gave me a Harry Chapin album. He gave me a oh Jackson Brown classic Jackson Brown album. Uh, but uh, the Stranger Billy Joel. Oh come on, I haven't heard that all the way. I'm more or less like Billy Joel. You know, but I, I can't say that I've sat with it. So this one I sat through all the way. Loved it, man. Now, the opening riff, the Anthony song, I don't even know. I, I guess that was one of the hits. There was four hits on this one that I read. There was that. Uh, let's see. Let me grab the album. 
trying to use my eyes. So Anthony's song was was a hit. Uh, Just the way you are was a smash hit. Uh, obviously, only the good die young. There was another one out here. Maybe it was a. Uh, She's always a woman. Maybe it was Anthony's song. Maybe it was moving out. I don't know which one of those was a hit. But I, the riff in that reminded me of like a Baker Street type riff. Just, it just like I kept hearing. I was like, I've heard this before. This brought me immediately to a place. So it's not like I haven't heard the album before, but that's why I keep thinking like maybe a road trip. Maybe I sat through this on a road trip and this is just a, a new journey with it sitting in this, this beanbag trying to do a podcast. Uh, let's see, though. but I, uh, I definitely like that. Now there was definitely a, a loud motorcycle outro on that track where I was just wondering was, uh, is that what he was up to? Old Billy Joel just wrote nothing about this said motorcycle, this whole album, you know, the Italian restaurant, obviously for the this Italian song, we'll get to that. But the, uh, the boxing gloves is like, you know, the most macho part of this whole damn album. So that, that log motorcycle outro. I guess I don't know Billy Joe that well, but he must have really loved that motorcycle. Because that was just not where I thought that was ending up. <laughs> oh, my gosh. But it comes from this big, bouncy song, this great opening song. Get you pumped. And then you get to The Stranger, which is like this sad, so sad, deep hurt, deep cuts track. And... He goes so deep, but then he flips it right up with just the way you are with like super deep love. So this man is a conflicted young man. Definitely 1977. Let me look that up here. I was going to look up because he talks about. Talks about this leather jacket shit. Yeah. And the Little Italy song, 1977 leather jacket. All right. See, a lot of this is going back in time. I know a lot of people could be listening to this like, yeah, I, I know where I was listening to this album because it was 98% critically acclaimed. Great. So, you know, people had this shit in their convertibles. Oh, yeah. Let me see if I can get a leather jacket, even if I could get. Oh, yeah. Okay. 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 It sounded like a grease song all rolled into one on that shit i wonder now i do gotta wonder how many times uh just the way you are is played at weddings just all the time i gotta i gotta ask a wedding dj i've only got like two friends that are wedding djs so awesome like do you get this one all the time it's a dead one maybe you're just doing like not good weddings but that one just kept saying oh that's a wedding song for sure just the way you are it seems from italia restaurant Man, that one was that was definitely a treat. Like I, I had, I've never heard that before. And looking it up, apparently it's a mashup of three songs. Uh, that that uh Billy wrote, and that kind of came out into this big song. He said he was inspired by it uh, by the Beatles. So you know, everyone draws inspiration from the Beatles. So here it is again, Beatles inspiration. But I loved. I think everybody that has some kind of uh, Little Italy type story, you know, if, you, if you've got a city or you've been to a city with a Little Italy, you know, I've been to, I've been fortunate to go to a few different places that have their own little 
what they call little Italy's, you know, like yeah, Florida says they got a little Italy, which is just uh Florida's just a bunch of New Yorkers who retired from New York and now they're New York. So the whole thing's little Italy, they think. But don't ask anybody from Florida that. They'll be mad. Ask someone from New York who's living in Florida that. But Little Italy recently, uh, the opening of this song just kept painting. I went to this great, I went with my dad recently. We went right before the quarantine, right before everything got locked down. Uh, me and my old man, we went down to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. It was, it was a wonderful time. Uh, he had never been. Uh, I've never been inside. I've been there. I've been to that city for uh, concerts, for shows. You know, it's a bit of a trek, but hey, sometimes it's a great stop. And sometimes that little house of blues in that city is, you know, not a crazy sold out show. It's a small enough, intimate enough room. It's it's a great live venue. Uh, that's That would be one of the things I would definitely recommend of the very few things I would recommend from that city. <laughs> Uh, but Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, we wanted to go down there. And uh, one of the days we're down there, you know, we did, a, we did Rock and Roll Hall of Fame all day. And, you know, we ate at a little, we ate at Aladdin's Bakery, Aladdin's Bakery, however you want to call it, uh, in Ohio for breakfast. We did the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame all day. It was such a great time. Probably do it again. Yeah, I definitely would go back and do it again. Even though I kind of know it's there. I'd like to go when they're having a new event. But, uh, it, it was such a good time. We went one of these nights to Little Italy, like right outside of Cleveland. Uh, we, we spent a whole day just looking for records and running around and grabbing records from different stores. And it was, uh, it was a real wonderful time to go away for a weekend. We'll, we'll talk about it on a podcast sometime, but... All I kept thinking of was the time that we went to this Italian restaurant there. I should shout it out, but uh, I should have looked that shit up while I was in between listening to doing that. But little uh, Cleveland, Little Italy was so good. The food was amazing. They really, uh, it wasn't as laid back as the song. Though. The song painted this, a oh, bottle of red for you, a bottle of white for me. You know, we didn't drink. We had, uh, I had a veal. Probably had a veal scallopini. He had something else. I don't know what he had. Uh, but then they give you a, a bowl of pasta because, you know, that's just what everybody gets. So that comes with every meal is a bowl of pasta. Let's see here. Cleveland, Little Italy. I want to shout out this place because it was so fucking good. It was, uh, they uh, fed us more or less really fast. Got us out of there. We didn't have to, like, I, I like that. I don't like having to sit around. If I go to a place that's got dim lights and, that's what I know what's going on. If they're going to be taking their long-ass time, I might not stay. I might order that shit to go. I like eating at home. <laughs> uh, unless I'm trying to be out, you know what I'm saying? But let's see here. Oh, the restaurant's here. Oh, La Dolce Vita. That's what it was. Oh, my goodness gracious. That shit was so delicious. Nope, nope, nope. That's a lie. That was a place we were trying to go to, but it was super busy that night. So we went to Trattoria on the Hill. Fuck La Dolce Vita, super busy ass. We went to Trattoria on the Hill. If anybody is remotely close, definitely get that. Keep them in business. But the whole beginning of that song was that place to me. Walking around there, getting little rainbow cookies. Just enjoying the... Everybody was... They were playing, you know, 
hand organs and Italian music through the streets. It's, <laughs> it's like early March. <laughs> it was cold as shit. Walking around there. Oh, God, that was such a good time. And then he backed that up with Vienna, which I was like, was Billy Joel just in Italy writing some of these? No, he wrote this. Uh, well, he recorded it over three weeks, you know, according to the internet. But I, he must have had some inspired trip from Vienna because he's back-to-back Italian songs. And then they got this corny Italian thing here on the back, this corny picture. Come to find out, this picture is at a place called, like, it's not the macaroni grill, but it's something uh, macaroni company. But the inspiration for the Italian song comes from this place that they were where he uh, met up the way that this record got published. He was about to get tossed off Columbia, apparently. And is is uh, even though the record that came out too before this was good, the record before this wasn't hopping was okay. This one. Saved his butt. He didn't want to go with like canned actors. He or I would say canned actors, but canned musicians. Like, hey, there's features on here that even though they are good, and I pulled them out of the song. Like, damn, that is so good. Who is that? And I want to go look them up. They end up having not a lot of features on here, but the ones that are on here perfectly shine because apparently the last three albums they had just okay. We got a session drummer, session bassist. We know these guys. They're with the label. You know, their locals, what whatever their affiliation is with that, you know, even, whether it's their reputation or not. Whereas apparently on the last album, he started playing with some of these guys. Billy did, and he he brings them on for this record, and they play more jam style, you know, which which is great. But then he links up with uh, who what is this? It says like A and R, even though it says Columbia, I should say where is it at on this record? Oh, it's on the inner sleeve. I think it's A and R Records. Uh, and a and Records, you know, had uh, Peterson Cotty dropped that on us. I like that guy. This is such a great guy. Uh, I think Paul Simon was on there. It's probably probably one of the sounds that are real similar. Uh, I mean, there's so many people. I'm just blanking right now. But a and Records had a bunch of people on there. Uh, but that was the thing is he wants to play these these jam sessions and he has this great jam sound for all these songs, but then all of a sudden I'm getting down here to what song is this? I wrote this shit down on my book. Uh, Ralph McDonald on those drums. Get it. Oh my God. This song. get it right. <sighs> those drums and the baseline that just stood out so well. And then I find out that Paul Simon doesn't even want this motherfucker on the track. Like he's like, all right, you know, I want to do what I want to do. I don't want to, I don't want it to sound like my last albums. I want a different sound. You know, and then uh, the part that I like best about that song, fuck the lyrics, fuck the whole theme and everything, <laughs> that damn hook. It's so good. And that drummer, Ralph McDonald, I'm glad he got in on this. I'm glad the artist doesn't always have the say. Sometimes the producer, uh, the producers know what's up, man. You got to listen to your producer sometimes. Not all the time. We've seen some fucking train wrecks because of that. Man, this one definitely obviously stands up. I love it. I'm not going to sit here and ramble for an hour with nothing. Let's see if I got anything else in this book here. Wrap this shit up. It'll be a 20 minute podcast. I don't even care. Let's see. Uh, bow, bow, bow. What else I got in the book? Uh, oh, yeah. That Ralph McDonald one. Let's see. Did get it right the first time? Had a cowbell outro. 
I was thinking, you know, maybe the Christopher Walken thing had come out at that time. You know, just heavy cowbell on that one. Uh, the only thing I was disappointed in was this, the album's ending. Everybody has a dream. It's great. It's got backup singers. Bam. We're signing off. The album's closing. It's great. And then all of a sudden for the last, you know, uh, 15 seconds or so, you hear the Hammond all of a sudden come in just wailing, but just like on low. No good. That's so sad. I love I love hearing, especially on old records, the Hammond. It's just such a great, great sounding organ. Uh, but this is uh, Hammond with no ass on it. Just little squawky Hammond, but it was great. You know, rank it what everybody else ranks it. Shit was fucking awesome. We'll see what I do for the third one. Let's uh, wrap this up. Hope uh, hope y'all enjoyed it. We'll bring out another episode, hopefully sooner than this one. Bye.